Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. Eric Maxim Chupo Moting. In January, he was left out of PSG's Champions League squad. Now he's the name on everybody's lips, the savior. He created the first goal and scored the second in the dying minutes of PSG's tie with Atalanta to qualify them for the semi-final of the Champions League. On the 50th anniversary of the birth of, Fran of France's capital's club, PSG make it to the semi-final of the Champions League for the first time in 25 years. What a day. Uh, we're very excited to talk about this here on the GFN show. We've also got a preview for the other French contender in the Champions League, Lyon playing Manchester City on Saturday. But let's get started right away. We have here today from ESPN, Jonathan Johnson. Hey, John. Hey there, guys. You haven't really quite covered a day like this in your years covering, uh, covering PSG, have you? No, I haven't. Uh, you know, obviously, this is, uh, th th this is new, new territory for me. Uh, you know, quite quite a way to to mark my debut with uh, CBS Sports, having moved from uh, ESPN uh, just in the build up to oh. to this competition. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's a you know it's a huge huge moment uh, in in PSG's history, and uh, you know, 2020 has thrown up so many surprises, uh, most of them very unpleasant. And although unpleasant will remain a theme for Mo, no doubt, in uh, <laughs> throughout this year, it's uh, you know. Probably the the most pleasant shock of the year so far. You very politely uh, identified my gaffe there. You're now with CBS. I'm sorry about that. Um. <laughs> not not of, not officially yet. Still pending paperwork. <laughs> no, no, oh, okay. Don't, don't worry about it. But you were on tonight, so you know you can yeah. claim that much. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Mo. Mo is here with us. He is uh, begrudgingly going to share some Chupo love with us, I believe. Um. Be gradually to say the least. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Well, congrats to them. I suppose um, finally, obviously, the draw opened up for them, and they've somehow managed to sneak through. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's the first time they've obviously qualified in the last what, in this era, the Qatar era for the last four. So obviously, congrats to them. But as we'll probably discuss in full later, you know, tonight's match probably throws still a couple more question marks as well. Mm -hmm. And also with us here today, Philippe Bargiel, usually our field man. Obviously, no way for that to happen this time, but Philippe, you must still be delighted as well. Yes, surprised, delighted. I'm not quite sure. I've been um, uh, sending texts all, all of the second half to my friends and everybody was saying, well, same old, same old. Um, <laughs> and uh, we were all saying if there's no syndrome du Parc des Princes, like always get knocked out at home. And uh, nobody was really thinking we'd equalize this and win myself included so uh, yeah it's a nice surprise i would i suppose so so let's get started and talk about the match here we're not going to start with what most of the match was but with what the defining final four or five minutes were a and john you know how much love is chupamoting going to get for this incredible achievement for for him i guess uh, I mean, he, he really, I, I struggle to comprehend or to, to think of a possible script that could have been better written than this. You know, the pro probably the most underdog player in PSG's squad, being the guy who comes onto the pitch and, and helps to turn the tide of the match. Uh, it's just incredible. I mean, there's so many different sort of 
subplots to, to his story, <laughs> you know, being dropped out of the Champions League squad, basically only being brought back in because Cavani decided, uh, you know, not to come back and see out the remainder of the Champions League campaign uh, with PSG. Uh, you know, and to his credit, you know, Chupo has never, he, he's never been one of those guys who who, who complains, uh, you know, always gets his head down, works hard. Uh, you know, and I think for all of the, the the laughter, the amusement that he's provided fans over the last couple of years after his improbable transfer to, to PSG in the first place, you know, I think he deserved a, a, a moment of glory like that you know, to chip in with a really important goal because he has played an important part in the squad. Okay, perhaps not on the pitch because he's never been given the opportunities, but, uh, you know, by all accounts, he's a very, very good character to have uh, around the group, uh, you know, and I think that, that PSG needed something that Atalanta weren't expecting, uh, you know, to get themselves something out of this match because it looked, you know, running down into the final few minutes like they, you know, they were out of ideas. Suddenly they get the you know they get the opportunity. Marquinhos manages to put it in, and and the game is, you know, is completely changed. Uh, and then the momentum's with PSG, and it's uh, it's Chupo who, after playing a role, uh, you know, by putting in the cross for Marquinhos's goal, you know, finds himself in the right place at the right time to score. You know, arguably one of the biggest goals in PSG's history. Uh, you know, and the fact that this all happens on PSG's fiftieth birthday as well is just. Yeah, it's incredible. Do you guys think there's a lesson in this for PSG? You know, the kind of incredible achievement from the underdog player, like you say, John, that is Chupo Moting. No. <laughs> no? <laughs> I can I say, well, not, not, no, not really. I think, I think there's quite a bit, uh, a bit of luck, quote, a bit of faith um, of never, never giving up, all that stuff. But I think a lot of things went wrong this evening, and I'm going to be the French guy here and uh, and focus on the negatives. Uh, it's a great story, um, but uh, there was so much uh, so much uh, wrong going on. Didn't see didn't think Atalanta were were, were uh, we expected them to be uh, to be better, but I expected so many things that just did not happen. Like Neymar missing all those. Almost, you know, almost open goals. You just don't really expect that, even though he probably, the, the first half he played was probably the, one of the best halves he's ever played for, for the club. Uh, if you, you know, if you take away, of course, as, as a finishing, which was, which was not very good, but he still, he was still everywhere. And then he was tired. So then Mbappe came on. I mean, it's a lot of. Uh, I think it's Champions League. Champions League is a lot of luck, and uh, a lot of people. Uh, on uh, on social media, on the internet, and and so on, uh, would say, "Here we go again. Uh, they're going to get knocked out again." And then finally, you get the stroke of luck. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a good uh, uh, it's good that uh, luck is uh, is my is uh, it's good that we've been we've been lucky this evening because we've been very very unlucky the past few seasons. So it's it's long overdue, but I think I think uh, uh, as a lesson uh, would be uh, you know prepare prepared better and try to try to score try to try to score uh, early uh, your chances because now we're in, we're in the we're in the last four and we're going to play either Leipzig or Atletico Madrid and we're probably going to have to 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 to, uh, to convert those, those 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 missed opportunities. Well, I would question the luck argument, but I mean, we might get onto that later. Um, but the reason I asked that question about whether there's a lesson for PSG is because 
I feel I thought um, you know PSG relies on the stars. So I mean, there's this whole culture of the star and Neymar and Mbappe, and which translate into an over reliance into those players on the pitch. And we saw that tonight. Like you said, Phil, Neymar was amazing apart from the finishing, but was pretty much carrying mm -hmm. the team. And then yeah. everybody was hoping, where's Mbappe, where's Mbappe, for him to come finish the job. When really, Chupa Moting, who's nowhere near as talented as those two players, but has very interesting values as, as a man and as a player, provided the solution. And in some way, he mirrored the surprise that Atalanta almost created. Because, you know, as a player, he's more similar to what Atalanta does than, what, than to what PSG does in that, you know, they're hard workers, they work for the team, and they're more than their individual, uh, you know, the sum of their individualities. And it almost worked for them. Uh, and, uh, you know, if they, if, it had, if they had gone through, we would be underlining some of their qualities in the same way that we underline uh, uh, Chupos. Um, but so why don't we get started in and, and discuss, you know, the match as it happened. And, and uh, what did you guys think of that first half? And, well, I mean, let's get started with Neymar, who we've mentioned, uh, who had a, a brilliant first half, like you said, and missed uh, the, uh, uh, a lot of chances. John, what did you think of him being repositioned in a, as a kind of a number 10 plus plus uh, in a way? I mean, I think it's, you know, it's logical that, that Neymar sort of stepped up into a more talismanic role. Uh, for this match, when you look at you know some of the creativity that the PSG were lacking, uh, you know Mbappe only fit enough to be on the bench, Di Maria suspended, uh, Verratti not fit enough to even be in the squad, and probably you know barring a miracle won't be featuring uh, you know in the in the semi final either. Uh, you know, so I think that there was a lot of uh, emphasis on on Neymar, you know, both pre match in in you know, the way that the game was being talked about, but also in the way that PSG set up for the match. Uh, you know, but I think the thing that was arguably most impressive um, about Neymar's performance was that, you know, his application to task, you know, he really seemed up for it. Okay, the, you know, didn't manage to put the ball in the back of the net, but you could see that he was really focused on on trying to to lead this PSG side to the semifinals. You know, he's almost willing it to happen. Uh, at times, uh, you know, and I think the the positional change, you know, did did help. Um, I, I just, you know, think he was perhaps overthinking or putting too much emphasis on each opportunity that was coming his way. It was, you know, missing the arguably the the, the most straightforward of chances and going closest, you know, in from a distance where you don't really expect him to be putting it in in, in the back of the net, even even though he is Neymar. But apart from that, Mo, I mean, PSG, you know had some weaknesses and had you know, mistakes and so on and were one nil down against Atalanta. How come this came to be? How, you know, where was, where were the failings? Why were they behind well, for so long? Well, first of all, you know, I think you were, as you saw in the first 25, 30 minutes, there was a lack of sort of clinical finishing. They had a couple of mm. clear cut chances, obviously fell to Neymar. Um, and you'd think that obviously in the, in nine times out of 10, these chances would be, um, put together but also you know Neymar who was you know very much the creative outlet he I think you know players like Icardi and Sarabi really let him down let the team down um they were not really creating um at that level Icardi was not tracking the runs the movement around the pitch was very very poor so it was very hard 
to translate sort of uh, the play going forward up the pitch from defence to attack. Um, and that sort of stifled PSG at the beginning. I think Atalanta, you could see very much sort of their gameplay, how they're set out in terms of, you know, pressing PSG up high, absorbing the ball and then trying to hit them um, on the counter. Um, and obviously that's how they got the breakthrough through uh, Pasalic. Um but obviously they began to tie and, you know, Atlantic did not really offer anything in the second half. And that's when, obviously, with the introduction of Mbappe, did things really um, sort of start to get going, especially as, as those sort of unproductive players were brought off. Um, that said, I mean, you know, those, uh, you know, on the base level, these questions should be answered in the next round where Di Maria will come back in. Obviously, they'll be very enthused by the fact that Mbappe has now played uh, 30 or so minutes um, as well. So you'd get something, um, you know, obviously that resembles more of a first-team lineup. Obviously, you know, they should, in my opinion, give Chupo Moting um, that start right ahead um, ahead of Icardi, if it was me. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, there's still a lot of questions to answer, you know, Again, if they do end up playing Atletico Madrid, which is obviously very likely, you know, Atletico are going to be very ball-hungry. They're going to be really sort of setting up the barracks, you know, very much difficult to break down. You know, how will, you know, they can't rely on Neymar's creativity, his dribbling and um, and, and movement. You can't rely on one player. Um, so, you know, those are things that they really have to look on and, you know, see how they can bring the best out of the front three. I'm just wondering how long it's going to be before Mo mentions shades of uh, of Brandao in Chupomoting's PSG role. Yeah. <laughs> well, it kind of resembles that, doesn't it? Unheralded player sort of drags the club to new Champions League heights. It has that feel to it. <laughs> uh, and obviously well, with Sergio Rico playing as well in the next game, um, obviously if Marseille famously played their third goalkeeper in the quarterfinal a couple of years ago. So, um, you know, you never know. Sergio Rico might come up with trumps as well. Can we talk about this, actually? This about Sergio Rico, Kayla Navas incident, what happened exactly? Because the commentators weren't quite sure, even though they had a, a guy on the, uh, next, to, next to the pitch. Uh, you, you, I mean, I'm not even sure if it's Kayla Navas who said, I want to, uh, I'm not fit, and then, no, I want to keep playing. Then he says, I'm not fit, then I want to keep playing. And Sergio Rico ended up uh, uh, 10 minutes waiting to come on. Uh, I mean, I think, that, I think the 10 minutes... I think the temptation is is very early to say it was a Kepa Ariza Balaga situation where he said that he didn't want to come off. Uh, and I think I think it's probably something we need we need to wait and, and see all of the the different video footage of, uh, or or to you know to trawl through all of the post match interviews before knowing exactly uh, what it was the that, that went down. It seemed that way, uh, you know, just watching it, you know, on a you know from a broadcast angle. Mm. That's a good point. And probably... Because, no, please, Philippe, yeah. Um, so do we know who's going to play in goal? I mean, and so, uh, we, we mentioned it, uh, but uh, we well, don't know... Presumably, if presumably, if he kept on playing, it's it doesn't sound like too bad of an injury, but I don't think at this point we have any information on that. Yeah. Nothing official, then? Yeah. I haven't seen anything. Okay. No, I mean, I think it's going to be a while before a, a decision gets made on that. You know, I think PSG will take stock of all of the, you know, the the, the wounded players, see how bad it is, you know, see who's sort of closest to 
to getting back to some form of match fitness where they might be able to start and then uh, I'm sure a decision will be made uh, a few days before the semi-final but you know we saw in that match particularly early on you know just how important Navas is I mean he, okay he was given no chance by Pasalic on the goal it's a fantastic finish really well taken uh, you know Ligue 1 fans will remember him from his, uh, his, his time with Monaco you know, but Navas for for PSG is it's so many times during this this Champions League campaign he's he's come up with some massive massive saves. I mean, I'm thinking of Real Madrid away at Santiago Bernabeu where he made about seven, eight, nine saves. You know, he made an, an, a couple of really really big stops again against Atalanta. Without a doubt, one of the you know most important signings PSG have made recently because obviously he has that experience also of winning it three times with Real Madrid. And definitely, kind of shares that to the others. There's been a lot of, of reporting on on that subject in the last few days. Um, but in terms of areas where PSG's recruitment has slightly failed them, can we talk about this midfield, uh, which tonight was Idrissa Gueye, Ander Herrera, and Marquinhos, and looked quite underwhelming. I want to say I don't I don't particularly agree on the diamond form, formation. I'm, uh, I don't. I, I don't know. I didn't see. I didn't see Marquinhos. I thought Marquinhos was okay at what he was supposed to be doing, which was a defence shielder. But uh, I, I actually saw more of a four-four-two uh, flat four-four-two than a diamond-shaped four-four-two. I mean, Neymar was playing wherever he wanted as a as a as a free roll in a number ten. But I saw that Sarabia wasn't really playing up front with um, with Icardi. And, uh, and Neymar more on the, more on the left hand side, and Herrera, even though he's a central central midfield, played on the right hand side. And honestly, I mean, Gay Marquinhos was doing what he was supposed to be doing. Gay was not too bad, I thought. I thought he wasn't that overrun in midfield. And uh, Herrera was was trying to to uh, let's say to. Uh, well, to, to get accustomed to uh, to a, wing, um, a position as a winger when he really isn't, so yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was underwhelming. But you have to bear in mind, there's no Verratti, there's, there's there's no one on the right hand side. I don't know. It it felt like a like a fix from uh, from Tuchel, and uh, I thought the sweet players. I mean, they, they, it was underwhelming, but I reckon they did try their best. I mean, I think for me, the thing that was most uh, surprising about the the midfield combination was the fact that Paredes, I mean, okay, he's not the most creative of players, but he's still more creative than the three, or he's capable of being more creative than the the three PSG started with. I was surprised that he didn't, uh, you know, get given a get given the start, particularly as he'd featured quite a lot in the you know the the friendly matches and the build up to to the return to competitive action. Hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the things that uh, GFFN main Twitter account tweeted about during the match, which I, I thought was quite interesting. I mean, this was during the match, um, just to emphasize that. They noticed how Marquinhos wasn't really doing that thing that he has done a lot under Tuchel, where he's playing midfield, but he will go back as a defender when PSG have the ball and then step up as kind of a number six when they don't. And that it was slightly more rigid and the fullbacks weren't going up as much, which I think changed a little bit in the second half. At least with with Bernat, we saw more of him uh, in the second half. I mean, I just don't think that they can, to be perfectly honest. I mean, yeah, I, I, know, I know I'm putting my Bernat fan hat on here, 
Hmm. But I found a lot of the criticism of him tonight a little bit difficult to take when you consider that the only the only minutes he's had since the return to action uh, post-COVID was in a friendly against Sochaux. There, there was no way that he should have really been starting in, in this match. You know, fitness was the reason for Mbappe starting on the bench. Fitness should have also been the reason why, uh, you know, Bernat was was left out and somebody like Backer uh, was put in or, or Kimpembe was deployed as a, you know, a, a more solid option at left back. The issue that PSG have, I think, in the, in the, the first time that they tried Marquinhos in defensive midfield and it worked, they had options on either side of the defence who could get mm. forward uh, you know, can offer something in attack. I'm I'm not sold on Kerrer uh, as a fullback. I know that that Tuchel perseveres with it, but you know Kerrer is, is solid defensively, but really doesn't offer anything going forward. Uh, you know he can't really put a cross into the box. And when you've got somebody like Icardi who's struggling to put the ball in the back of the net, even with a mountain of chances, uh, you know if you're waiting for sort of one cross in ten to succeed from the right. <laughs> It's you know it's going to be a, an even longer wait for for a goal. So f- for me, I thought it was a risk. I mean, okay, ultimately Tuchel got away with it. But I feel that the the defensive makeup, uh, particularly in in putting somebody like Bernat in, knowing that you know he is prone to making errors when he's when he's lacking match fitness. We saw that in one of his very first PSG performances uh, against Liverpool in the group stage of the Champions League a couple of seasons ago. You know, I thought that was very risky and almost. Uh, you know, almost cost Tuchel because at the end of the day, Bernat was one of the guys most at fault, uh, you know, for the Atalanta goal. I mean, I agree. My criticism isn't so much on the decisions made in the game tonight because we know, I mean, it's obvious that, you know, for in terms of team selection and and tactical setup for tonight, there were a lot of complications and constraints on on Tuchel in terms of injuries and and who's available and and whatever. Um, But... The problem really is that we knew last summer that they had not enough people in midfield, and and since then they've all also lost players who are out of contract. You know, Munyan Cavani, and that has hurt their squad depth today, and that and that is one of the factors that contributes to why it's so complicated for Tuchel to set up his team uh, in this match. Well, it's self-inflicted, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yes, it's exactly self-inflicted. I mean. I think obviously they made a couple of strides in bringing in the midfield. I mean, there was before you know Idrissa Gay came in, uh, there was obviously more calls uh, for a proper defensive midfielder. Um, but you know, I think obviously transfers I'm not entirely sure how much the coach has um, on that. You know, they've they've now positioned themselves as an elite team, therefore going after elite players, and that obviously now translates. Um, in you know as attacking obviously last year they they made great strides like I said with the uh, you know bringing in Herrera Gay uh, Diallo etc. Um, but there is still a proper positional struggle like you mentioned a proper well defined midfield um, you know the fullbacks still leave a lot to desire lot to be desired etc. And even in attack obviously Neymar and Mbappe aside. You know, Icardi is coming, but is he worth the 60 million, especially since he's going to be sidelined for the other two in the same way that Cavani felt? Um, Sarabia as well, you know, is he an effective um, high-level uh, substitute for Di Maria? Um, you know, there's there's still a lot to, you know, a lot left to be desired there. And on, on your other point, um, you know, obviously PSG tonight, they, they won despite... Um, Obviously, the, the many uh, injuries or, or, or otherwise that they've had 
Um, but, you know, so too did Atlanta. Um, you know, you saw the talisman go off after after about an hour. Um, you know, goalkeeper mm-hmm. injured, um, defensive issues as well. Um, you know, they had to bring in Palomino as well. In the second half, you know, these players were not were not were not on paper Champions League quality. You know, um, you know players who've been sort of um, waferers across the Italian league and other leagues as well. Uh, you know, Ilicic, they're probably one of their best players, has not even played and will not play for the remainder of the season because of personal issues. So, you know, on paper again, this team, um, you know, finished I think third in Serie A. Well, were were also. Um, heavily impacted, but still managed to match uh, PSG for large swathes of that, and obviously tiredness and fatigue, um, and a little bit of complacency set in as well. Um, and you'd expect, obviously, with the, the star talent on the show, that PSG uh, needed that break. I mean, of course, everyone needs a bit of luck. Everyone needs an opening, and I think finally, after several years, that's what they're that's what they're getting. I think you can't really begrudge that. Uh, with them, obviously, considering the late drama that they've suffered, obviously over the last couple of years, you know the unfortunate breaks, the VARs that have come their way. Um, obviously, you know I think they've created their own luck tonight for sure. Um, but you know, luck it is, you know, to come back late on with two quick goals from an unlikely source. So, you know, it's what it is. Um, it depends. I mean, now obviously the transfer windows, I think, reopen in France um, or should be reopening um, very very soon. We're now. Well, into two months, the last two months, the league is, is beginning. Um, well, now for PSG, now they've qualified. They'll begin in September now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, there's there's time. There's time for them to um, to correct to, that. To correct season. that, but will they? Yeah. Obviously, now it's it's COVID impacted. You know, the, the 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 funding at PSG is not going to be as dramatic. I don't know if the you know, the, the reductions for the players still continues. I I would imagine. They, they would go back to 100%. They pay if they manage to lift the Champions League, but I don't know for how long that will be continuing. Um, obviously, revenue streams are affected. So it remains to be seen um, how much they've got. But in the end, they, they, they do need to address these issues. Otherwise, it's going to be a constant sort of struggle. And I think as well, there's a, you know the elephant in the room to address as well as who Leonardo is bringing players in for since he's returned as sporting director? Is he bringing in players that Tuchel can just find useful, uh, you know, as, as squad options, or is he trying to build a squad for Tuchel? Because for me, the impression that I get is that Tuchel, while Leonardo doesn't have any reason to be able to, to, to sack him or replace him, you know, Tuchel is also not the guy that Leonardo would have chosen to be coaching, uh, you know, the sporting project that he's leading. And in many ways, everything that's happened over the last couple of months has been very unfortunate timing because it's stopped PSG from basically being able to make such a big change as, as, as changing the coach. You think they would have done that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they certainly would have done that had they crashed out against Atalanta. And well, yeah. But... To, to be honest, I think even in a normal season, if PSG had gone to the semi-finals um, and and been able to have a full summer transfer window as normal, it, it still wouldn't have surprised me if there was, you know, differences of vision and uh, you know uh, perhaps a decision to to go their separate ways. Uh, you know, I I felt for a while that you know it was it was Tuchel's final season. Uh, you know, now this is perhaps a shot in the arm that, you know, may well see him 
stay on, uh, you know, for for the final year of his contract. It's the uh, Maurizio Sarri treatment. So obviously PSG can't solve all of these problems uh, by next week. Uh, there's only so much that can be done, uh, and we don't know yet who they're going to play, and that's obviously going to have to. That's obviously going to dis- um, determine some of the decisions they have to make. But but there is one problem that they're going to have to address no matter what. And we, uh, I'm afraid we've had this discussion several times this season, but we just keep on having keep on having to come back to it. And that is, what do what do they do with Mauro Icardi? I mean, now that they've stumped up the money uh, to keep him around, you know, they they've got no option really but to persevere. Uh, they can't sell him in. But, in, but in my any question of- is, my question is, like for the next match, you know, does he start? How do you play for him if he does, or or if not? It's 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 very difficult to say because it's one of those where if Chupomotin gets rewarded for for his heroics here, but then doesn't score, say in an hour uh, of the of the semi final, people will be criticizing it, saying that you know they should have put the 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 more instinctive striker in Icardi on from the start. Yet we've seen Icardi since the start of the year. Uh, you know, not looking in his best shape, not looking sharp in front of goal. I mean, I saw him, and I, th- I think it was the the Coupe de France final, not the Coupe de la Ligue final, where a cross comes in and basically hits him in the face. You, you know, he doesn't look like a guy who is, you know, sniffing out every opportunity in the penalty box and ready to pounce. You know, on even the the slightest hesitation. I mean, there was that chance uh, in the game against Atalanta where you know Neymar sort of burst forward and put in a, you know, more of a cross than a shot. Uh, Icardi, you know, should have been, you know, doing his best to get on the end of, uh, you know, and, and wasn't even breaking a sweat for it really. So it's it's difficult to make an argument to keep Icardi in the squad, uh, or sorry, in the starting eleven at this moment in time. Uh, and you know, looking at the way that he impacted the match uh, when he came on, you know, why not try somebody like uh, Chupo Moting? I think it's safe to say that Tuchel will get criticised whoever he puts on against. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't, don't disagree. <laughs> if he if he puts on Shupomoting, uh, you'll say, well, uh, he's uh, yeah, he's a hero, but uh, but uh, Icardi is more talented. And if if he puts on Icardi, he's he's going to get criticised. People are going to say, well, he he you know he doesn't uh, Icardi never never does anything right. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's a very um, it's a very ungrateful job being a PSG manager. You get you get criticised a lot, and to be honest, I'm not I'm not I'm not hearing lots of praise uh, uh, towards Thomas Tuchel uh, this evening. Be it you know in Keep or Twitter or anything. It's Do you more have about, some for him? Uh, actually, uh, not really. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, mean, I mean, I don't see how much praise you can really give someone for playing their, you know, playing their wild card. Uh, you know, and basically, yeah. you know, succeeding and calling in a Hail Mary. Hmm. I mean, I guess the only other potential uh, solution to the Cardi situation is Mbappe being fully fit uh, and playing him through the middle. Because Di Maria will also be back. So you could imagine a 4-3-3, although maybe that's not, you know, Tuchel's preferred option. I don't know. I mean, I think it's very difficult without Verratti. Could be playable with somebody like a uh, Paredes, 
mm. you know, or you move Di Maria back into midfield, which hasn't always worked when they've tried it, uh, you know, and keep somebody like Sarabia on, even if, you know, it wasn't Sarabia's finest moment against Atalanta. No. Yeah. And but certainly I, that... I still don't think uh, we, we should we should keep that formation. So to me, that formation will not work uh, against a better equipped equipped side. Again, I'm going. Well, I'm going out. On, you know, I'm, I believe Atletico will, will progress tomorrow. And uh, having this packed midfield uh, against a four four two, I just don't see that uh, being a good idea. So I mean, yeah. And I we've mean, been Assuming that it is Atletico that PSG come yeah. up against, I think it's just so important that Mbappe plays. I mean, the pace that you know that he that he could use against them, you know, is 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 arguably the best weapon you can use against an Atletico Madrid side. Uh, yeah. it'd be suicidal to to try to take them on without him. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to 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 think about. The, you know, before that game, from first of all, Atletico have to qualify, of course. Um, but uh, you know the quality of the goalkeeper, the quality of the defense, uh, how organized they are, uh, quality of the of the manager, the experience of the manager, all this. It's uh, you know pl- plenty of things to, to to think about ahead of this encounter when we'll be in the semi final. Yes, and we'll definitely do a preview show on this one uh, once we know who they play against. Of course, um, unfortunately, we can get the preview show out there uh, this week for for you listeners, um, but we'll have some on, on Lyon. Coming up later. Um, right. Anything else from you guys that you want to comment on uh, about this match? Anything that we've missed? Just one last thing about Bernat. I thought, uh, I thought fitness-wise, it was quite impressive in 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 that he was. I'm sorry, we already talked about this, but um, he was he was quite terrible in the first half. I think he's. Uh, mainly at fault for the goal we conceded, but once Mbappe came on, he he was mostly on the left hand side, and Bernat still had the uh, the fitness and the physique to uh, to to go go forward, and he was he was quite yeah he was quite impressive. So a terrible first half, but a very good second half. Jose, you know, opposite of Neymar. Yeah, I thought they said Bernat was probably not going to be able to play the full match precisely, you know, for fitness questions. But um, mm. as it turned out, that's impressive. Yeah, right. as it turned out, Kurzawa was not even in the match squad, though. Um, even though, I mean, I mean, Kurzawa, like uh, Verratti, is is unlikely to be able to feature at any point, even even if PSG were to get to the final. That's my understanding. Oh, is that so? Okay. All right. That's, that's yeah. terrible for Verratti, honestly. I mean, how how long has he been here? I mean, he, he gets this injury and, uh, and he may he may miss uh, miss us going to the final. It's uh, yeah. How unlucky can you be? Yeah, very very much so. Uh, you know, but I'm sure he'll be doing everything he can to you know even just to be on the bench and sort of be be part of uh, the semi final. Mm. Yeah. Well, the let's see. We come back to this question of, of luck, and Mo mentioned too that you know Atalanta had their own problems. The keeper was absent, absent. Their top scorer was absent, and their number ten, who was quite good at times during this match, also had to come off during during the game. And earlier, I mentioned that I kind of reject the bad luck argument that we often hear around PSG um, because it happens to everyone. Everybody has injuries or refereeing mistakes against them, and um, you know. Obviously, as football fans, as supporters of French football, which we more or less all are here, um, we remember it when it happens to us. 
and it kind of escapes our memories when it when it happens to the others. So I, I, I'm sorry, by the way, for being a, a very opinionated host tonight um, <laughs> on some of this stuff. Um, okay, well, thank you, John, so much for, for being here with us. Oh, Always thanks, a pleasure. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, enjoyed it and, uh, you know, hopefully chat soon. Yeah, uh, more work for all of us uh, in the next few days and, and with the m match next week. So we'll still be busy. I'll take care of one and then enjoy the Lyon match. Hopefully they'll be joining PSG in the, in the semifinals. Do you have a very quick prediction on that one? I think Lyon are going to run City closer than expected. Mm -hmm. uh, sadly, I think they'll ultimately come up short. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me uh, if it was similar to the Juve match, say uh, a 2-1, maybe, maybe even a 3-1. I mean, I had City and Bayern down as my two favourites for this before before a ball was kicked in Portugal. Um, uh, I Obviously, I haven't seen enough from either City or Bayern to change my mind on that uh, about them for the moment. So I'm going to say City City to win it, but I, you know, I do hope Leon put up a hell of a fight. All right. Thank you, John. So we now look to the other French quarter finalist of this Champions League. It's a very lucky year for us. Lyon take on Manchester City on Saturday. Now, uh, Mo, uh, I know you're a little bit grumpy about PSG. Are, are you still grumpy about Lyon making it to the quarterfinals too? Um, it's really <laughs> two sides of the same coin for me. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, obviously, on on that front, I'm um, happy for them that they've gone this far, um, and this far is how much they're going to go. Essentially, you know, that's as far as they're going <laughs> to go, um, and that's that. Obviously, it's it really boosts um, the credibility of the league, um, you know, coefficient points and the like, but also um, just further, um, you know, just further anticipation that our teams can can go far and that's obviously the, uh, you know the league is not just some sort of uh, wasteland um, for overpaid players and average um, players who who can't really hack in the upper echelons of of European football um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very I'm, I'm pleased for them because you know where where Leon are concerned I mean you know for fans of um, Marseille um, and Lille uh, probably less so because they've achieved the same thing um, you know, th this is what your team could look like with more shrewd decision making, a bit of luck, um, uh, you know, um, focus and strategy essentially. So, you know, the fact that they've become the first team to, uh, first French team to knock out Juventus, uh, they've done it away from home five months after a stoppage and obviously during, during the friendly games, they hadn't looked good. Um, but, you know, Leon do have this, this sort of uncanny ability to you know, really come up trumps in the big games when everyone sort of writes them off because, you know, they they perform really, really poorly. They they form poorly during most of the friendly games as well. And then suddenly in the cup final, they held PSG to a penalty shootout, which, you know, in fairness, they probably should have won had it not been um, for for some of the questionable penalty saving of Antonio Lopez obviously was great during, during the main game itself. What, what um, you're saying is had they not sent... Bertrand Traoré to shoot the penalty. Exactly, straight up. Yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, they could have done better there. Um, but, and then again, obviously against Juventus, you know, that early goal, I mean, they could have just sat back and 
been afraid and let Juventus attack them. But they, you know, played their own game. Obviously, very fortuitous. But you do need a bit of luck. Um, and just grab that away goal and hunker down. Obviously, you know, being Garcia, I thought, you know, they could they could have sort of let let the lead slip, which they did to an extent, but obviously not enough to to eliminate them. So, you know, great result. Obviously, um, it's great. Doesn't matter who it is. It's great to see um, two French teams in the last eight. Um, and regularly as well, you know, we'd like to see, uh, you know, Marseille and Rennes do the same next 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 year. But mm-hmm. um, for now, uh, obviously they play Man City, and again, this is a team that they've got fantastic recent history against. Um, you know, against Pep Guardiola, both at uh, um, the Group Armour and and at the Etihad too. And since it's a one-off game, and all the pressure will be on, you know, all the pressure will be on uh, Man City, who, who are in between, in in purgatory between the two seasons. You know, just finished Premier League season, they've got some time off, and now they're in this final eight. Then they've got some time off again. Whereas, you know, Leon, it's it's you know nothing to lose, everything to gain. They do well; they will knock out probably one of the two favourites for the Champions League. Um, and obviously, they deserve all the plaudits and the money that come their way. Um, whether you know, and I think most people will see it as being worth not being in Europe next year to go far this year and to have you know sort of the the record that you have. Will be worth, you know. I think that will soften the blow of next year. Obviously, the money they will receive from from going deep into the com- uh, in the competition will yeah. also help. But um, and obviously, if they don't, then they look forward to you know the the league game um, that was what should come up next next week if they if they win if they lose. Um, and you know they've they've already made a couple of um, signings and they'll make a couple of more signings as soon as they know you know what status that they'll have. Um, and it's fine, you know. Obviously, you know all the pressures on Man City, and it's a one-off game. It's a one-off game. Eleven against eleven, ninety minutes. That's it. Um, <laughs> so it's it's the perfect environment for them. Um, now, <laughs> do um... I wish them well? I don't know. Um, <laughs> the jury's still out on that. But um, you know, if if we do get into a position where we'll have two league and clubs in the final four, um, that would obviously I'm... be be you know a fantastic thing. That would be fabulous. Um... About City, I mean, I didn't see their match against Real Madrid, and I'm, I'm assuming none of us did. I mean, I was, we, Lyon was on at the same time, uh, so, you know, that had priority. But this season, they have had uh, defensive difficulties in certain conditions, um, and, and kind of they've also struggled basically to find a, a good centre-back pairing. But, you know, in certain conditions, they they struggle. And, you know, basing myself on a certain FA Cup semi-final... I know that one example is if you can confidently play around their press, um, which can look risky, but if you can play around their press, then you will have space in behind them. Um, is that something that Lyon can it's, do on this match? It's about respect, first of all, I think. And I think a lot of the teams who get in, end up getting dropped by Man City show them a bit of respect. They don't. They come up with... Um, not with a strategic, not with a game plan itself. It goes out the window. They're trying to solve. They know that there's uh, potential to to being drubbed. They know it's potential for you know letting you know players like De Bruyne and and Co to to sort of play their game. So they try and bunker down. They try and play with a you know a, a deep four. They try and sort of absorb it, and then that ends up goes out the window. You know as we saw with Newcastle, Brighton recently, Watford and Norwich as well. You know these matches often ended up four or five nil, whereas in the one-off games, 
um, where you know Arsenal, for example, you know it's a semi-final game, one objective. There's nothing to lose if we're going. We're not going to sort of keep Man City at bay for 120 minutes. We need to get off the front foot, and they did that, mm. like you said, you know, playing around the playing around the press, uh, trying to sort of get into their own rhythm, and also try and sort of pressure Man City into mistakes and counter where possible. Same thing for Bournemouth. Obviously, that didn't work out uh, recently, and Southampton as well. Um, you know, in games where you know, in terms of like Southampton's games, Bournemouth's games, where people don't really see much. Um, Problem. There was a bit of complacency on Man City's side, and these teams were allowed um, to go ahead. You know, like you said, there's plenty of examples this year. You know, Man City, it hasn't been Man City's best year, despite some of the great results that they've also gotten. Um, it's, it hasn't been their best year, and there's still a lot of question marks over the long-term performances of some of the players. You know, there's been question marks over you know, Guardiola's tactics whether he can get the best out of the players where it matters obviously they did beat Real Madrid but you know we that was a game where Rafael Varane had a pretty much a stinker um you know two two major defensive errors but also much of the work was done in the first leg as well um so like I said it's 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 Leon you know they've they've done they've done this before they've done it in 2018 twice um they picked up a famous win in the Etihad by just going in not not respecting the form book, not respecting what's on paper, um, and and going for it. But do they have the identity? Do they have um, the identity to do it? Can they do it three times in a row um, as well? Because they gave it all in the cup final. They gave it all against Juventus. Whereas towards the end, there was really a mishmash of uh, comparing styles. Some of the players. Um, didn't really perform at all well in the second half and really they only got through by the skin of the teeth in, in the end and they're going to have to do it all again from the start but again these are the moments that they live for um, you know this is a chance for a, a premier or well, the first semi-final in 10 years um, to, to come up and, and then again it'll be another major Philip for obviously Olas mm-hmm. for the team for the players for Garcia as well In terms of team news it looks like Jason Denayer and Maxwell Cornet are, are a little bit touch and go for this one. Um, they both uh, came off very tired and a little hurt from I think from event from the Juventus match, and we'll have to see. I mean that that might be a problem for them. Um, but the other question, Philippe, is uh, in parallel really to the Icardi situation, we have Moussa Dembele who doesn't seem very on form for Lyon either and was dropped against Juventus. Do you think he might come back into the lineup this time around? Or is the uh, Tokoikambi solution still, you know, preferable? I don't think that both uh, um, the situations are are comparable. Um, mm. Dembele has actually, well, he he has de- he has delivered yes and no in in a very uh, in a very Icardi Icardi sense. But uh, he's got uh, Icardi is is, is uh, something of a it's a name first of all from from abroad. Uh, the transfer fee was a, a lot of money, and it was a wages probably uh, uh, probably earns more than than Dembele. Uh, to to me to to me that Dembele is more is more of a super uh, super type, except that you know, there's no there's no Icardi. It's just it's just you know he's uh, he's probably not as modest, but uh, I'd compare those two rather than Icardi, where who has this. Undroppable, unfortunately, undroppable tag. But that's what you get when you when you pay players a lot of money. 
uh, and uh, you pay you pay a lot of money mm. in transfer fees. I mean, I was thinking wages, more, but... you know, comparing their current form and the fact that they're not. It doesn't look like they're at their best level right now. Obviously, is two. You know, I agree they're two very different players of a different standing, really. But um, yeah, but to me, it took away Kambi. Is that is that really a solution? Because to me, he's always he's always been more more of a winger, whereas Dembele very much. Well, actually, that was probably your point. Very much like Icardi uh, doesn't do much else, even if he does play on the wing. Sometimes it's uh, you know it's uh, it's. Nowhere near, he's nowhere near as comfortable on the wing as Tukwe Kambi is. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I guess, it, yeah, it'll come down to, to again, to what uh, Garcia sees in, in this current week. Uh, they, there were reports that uh, while Dembele was uh, a little bit frustrated about not starting um, against Juventus and and showed you know in front of the tv cameras um an attitude that didn't necessarily please Le- uh the Lyon staff the reports this week were that he was very solidly invested in training and, and doing better so i mean i you know i have to take those reports at their word but uh we'll see we'll have to see on saturday um so mo you you say it's possible but you didn't sound very optimistic uh for for Lyon. Philippe, what's your take on it? Uh, I'm quite, I'm quite pessimistic. I'm quite pessimistic here. Uh, I think uh, they have a chance if they if they play deep, but they have to score anyway. Um, I could, I could actually see uh, no goals in this match if Lopez plays a blinder. And so there's a defence, but they're capable of that. I mean, they they kept uh, Pejia at bay, which uh, was uh, is probably uh, going to be City is probably going to be much harder. Uh, the the big to me the big uh, talking point will be De Bruyne. If there's space uh, to be made between the defence and Lopez and De Bruyne exploits it, then I reckon City could score two to three goals. But uh, if uh, if they keep this, that space at bay and De Bruyne uh, has uh, has no chance to to play those balls in behind the defence, then it is possible, but again, it's either penalties or you don't have to score. And um, Garcia, yeah, it could it could happen, it could happen. But there's no away goal rule this time, and uh, they have to remain they they have to remain extremely solid and and give uh, a give, give a massive uh, physical check on De Bruyne, especially his passing. I. Mm. Just to follow on from that, I think it will be probably one of the finest results in Neon's history if they if they go on to win this because I can't see anything other than a resounding Man City win only because, like PSG, they are on a bit of a block when it comes to European competition, especially where you know finances are involved. You know they've made a pretty penny. Guardiola has now been there for several seasons, and I think. I'm, I'm, I mean, obviously, I don't want to be very, you know, outlandish in my statements, but where, you know, had if they did suffer defeat to Lyon, where would Guardiola go? Um, because this is like, like PSG, like you know, with with Atlanta tonight, this has really opened up for them for now, at least to get to the semi-final, and then they've got the players to sort of win a one-off match against Bayern or or Barca going forward. But first, you know, they have to go through that. And if you look at, you know, they've had the chance in 2016 and suffered a very narrow 
defeat to Real Madrid, but then, you know, humiliations, or rather very poor performances to Monaco, to, to Liverpool, and then to Tottenham last year with what happened with mm-hmm. that debacle at the Etihad. Um, you know, it's, like I said, it's really opened up. They've not faced, I mean, OK, they've beaten Real Madrid, but other than that, you know, they've been very comfortable against Shakhtar Donetsk, Zagreb, Atlanta, now they're playing Lyon, of all people, in the quarterfinals. Um, so this is it. You know, they could go back to the semi-final for the, only the second time in this, you know, Emirati ownership, like you know, like PSG, and then, and then it's anyone's game in the final four, isn't it? It's it's, it's absolutely anyone's. Uh, so for that reason, and you know, they finished well off the pace in the Premier League. You know, it's it's, it's this moment. It's it's what they've put all the eggs in the basket for since since lockdown. Since you know, the the draw was known for. For, for for the quarterfinals and beyond. Um, so this is it for them. Isn't he about to sign a contract extension, or did I read this one? Well, I I I got, I got the impression that he hasn't, and Juve he would be looking at that. Um, yeah. Obviously, the situation now that Pirlo is not going to stay there very long. But um, um, no, not yet. At the end of the day, and I guess. We'll, we'll find out, you know, sooner once you know the culmination of this season goes ahead. But it does seem like it's been going on for quite a while. The seasons have been, uh, uh, you know, looking like uh, the, the previous ones, and that no real progress has been made in the Champions League. But that, unlike PSG, uh, the, uh, the city owners don't really uh, want to particularly you don't feel like they want to 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 win the Champions League at all costs and that if they if they challenge for the premiership title then that's good enough for them I just think that uh, it's been going on for a while and uh, maybe I don't know I, I don't I don't particularly see Guardiola as a type of guy to stay say 10 years at the same club so I don't I I don't, I don't know if uh, if that would uh, actually suit uh, City as as a club well, and uh, if if maybe that could uh, that could suit Lyon in this particular in this particular event, or in you know uh, future seasons. We don't have much time, so we have to move on. Two weeks from the start of Ligue 1, just a, a few days ago, this was Bordeaux have decided to get rid of their manager Paulo Souza, who. He, I mean, he had finally decided to stay on for this season, and that's when they decided to get rid of him. Although it, it sounds like uh, the understanding seems to be that Bordeaux president uh, Frédéric Longuepé has been trying to sack Sousa all summer long and maybe even further back. And yeah. in comes Jean-Louis Gasset. Uh, first of all, you know, what can, what can Gasset even achieve in the time that he has before the season starts? You know, getting his team ready, and and do you think he is a good man to? Uh, it's it's I I wouldn't say the right man for the job, but it's kind of an impossible job. So I don't know um, who the right man could be. But yeah, um, well, it's just I think what he can provide is stability straight, um, in the same way he provided that to Sinatian, um in uh, 2018, I believe. Or, current point he was there now um but that stability and just to move up border obviously a bit of a, a car crash at the moment like you mentioned you know a lot mm-hmm. of boredom troubles a lot of troubles between their owners and longipe as well um but i imagine that obviously they do need to sturdy hand someone that you know knows 
the ins and outs of the league. And I think with with Gasset, you know, with his fantastic knowledge of of the league in general, I think he would know sort of you know some of the players' best assets. Probably a relatively good starting eleven as well. Um, and they've got still a couple of you know a couple of good players. Um, uh, Depravo, um, Cristiano as well. He's still about. Um, Remy Udan, who, who hasn't really shone since he's moved from Rand. But um, he's got something to work with. And I guess what's what they need is stability um, after what's been a turbulent year so far, obviously going forward with the impact of the COVID crisis. Um, so there is, um, I think he's got, got a high stock, does Gasset, and he's, he's going to be bringing in uh, Printon again, um, his, his trusted assistant. Um, who, who obviously the pair of them did so well um, at Livia um, about a year ago, a year and a half ago. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's the best that they can do in what is obviously a very bleak situation. Um, and Souza, you know, who's been really blowing hot and cold since his uh, time, you know, Zoza had been in, in the post for a little over a year. Um, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of crazy things going on behind the scenes, much of many of which hasn't even been released to, to the press yet. Or, yeah. you know, there are still rumours that the president and and the rest of the administration are also going to be out um, soon. Obviously, it's not ideal. We're ten days away from the start of the league season, but if you do need on the pitch stability, I think that's it's the way to go. He's a big, he's a good stop back. Uh, sorry, um, stop gap. Mm. Guess it. He stayed the ship at Saint Etienne and uh, at Bordeaux. I'm pretty sure they were saying to uh, Paul Souza, "Okay, we can keep you on, but so you know, don't do, don't say anything uh, too negative in the press or anything. Don't go all uh, all go, all just poet on us on a on a press conference." I'm pretty sure the, that Gasse is the, is the right man for the job to say, "Okay, we've got this season to 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 go through. Uh, just uh, do your best to." Uh, Enable us to not finish in uh, too close to a relegation zone. Uh, we're not going to give you any money anyway because we don't want to. Uh, because we never thought we went into. We bought this club thinking that it would uh, actually make us make money. Instead, it's making us lose money. So they didn't probably didn't think this through. And uh, that's just uh, that's just Bordeaux in a in a nutshell. In in that uh, they just want to stop the apps. They don't really want to to spend much on on players. There's no real project there. And I think Gasset is a perfect guy to say, okay, I can, I can give you, give me, a, give me a one-year contract. I'll give you, I'll give you some, some quality football. Sometimes, sometimes pretty, pretty poor. But uh, Bodo will probably won't, probably won't go down under my uh, tenure. So yeah, I think it's, uh, it's good. But don't expect anything massive from them. It's still, uh, still an extremely, an extremely bleak club where not much uh, ambition is uh, is being, uh, you know, uh, discussed. Yeah, it's very sad. You know, it is very so many sad clubs. Yeah. They really could uh, push on and have uh, get to get some uh, bright players. The youth, the academy is not bad, but they're they all uh, they all uh, they all selling their, their bright prospects. I don't. I don't know if you got you you guys caught uh, Jules Kounde's game yesterday against Wolverhampton. Yeah. It was pretty good, I thought. Yeah. It wasn't bad, even though you know Wolves played um, with uh, with a back to the wall, uh, back to the wall for some reason. 
um, that Kunde was uh, was was very good, and uh, I think if they could keep their prospects for a couple of seasons, they could they could end up in Europe. But uh, like most French clubs in the Europa League, it just doesn't go well because there's too many games, and and Bordeaux just don't uh, just no ambition at all. And I'm not saying that Gasse is uh, is uh, is an, an ambitious manager. Um, but uh, I think it's it's a good fit for 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 both of them, uh, but extremely short term appointment I reckon. One more news topic before we call it a day. Uh, today we had confirmation that Blaise Matuidi has left Juventus, and it's uh, looking like he's going to sign for uh, the new American club, Inter Miami. The question is, guys, is this basically him renouncing on Euro 2020? Or 2021, whatever whatever they're calling it, um, or you know, is there still a way for him to be in the squad next summer? Um, no, um, <laughs> I think I think that would be that. Um, I think it's 33 or 34. Oh, I can't I can't remember how old he is now. Um, you know, there's been occasions where oh, it's 33. Uh, there's been occasions, obviously, look with the example of Andre Piacignac, players who've moved on um, and have, you know, still featured in in the international squad. I mean, Andre Piacignac making a late run uh, to Euro 2016, obviously playing in the final. Um, but with Matuidi, I mean, he's joining a very formative club, um, a club who, if correct me if I'm wrong, have only started life as a football club um and there's obviously questions over you know how far they're going to be going performance levels you know he's going to be joining a club that's very infancy um and i believe a club that's not actually won any game so far <laughs> in its history in its competitive history rather in mls i might be wrong as well there but i thought that's something that i've saw my you know eyes on so therefore you know matuidi himself hasn't been a great player for for the French national team for a long while. Um, hmm. And there are a couple of um, other midfielders going to come in. You know, you've got Ndombele, you've got Tolisso, um, you've got the always there, always reliable, Moussa um, Soko, um, and you can also rely on Steven and Zonzi. There's a plethora um, of talent there. Um, and, you know, again, that spot could open up for uh, a player to make his case, a player that hasn't actually featured yet. For, for the main team. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's safe, it's safe to say that that's going to be that. Why is he leaving? Is it as mm-hmm. a board telling them, telling them you're not good enough? Is, uh, is, he, is he not a big fan of, uh, big fan of Pilo? Is Pilo not, uh, <laughs> not too good in him? I, I, why is he leaving? I mean, it's, it's, it all sounds so sudden. I don't know if he was playing much. I'm not well, sure. Was, I, don't... I think he was. So he, he, it's not like he was, uh, he hasn't played at all, and it's not like no, Juventus yeah. loads and loads and loads of options in midfield. I mean, they've got a good midfield, but it's not like uh, they can fill three squads with that midfield. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm just, I I, I'm asking. I have absolutely no, no clue. I think for mine, is that it was an interesting proposition for him, but also Juventus really needs to cut down on their wage bill. Uh. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, I would, I would have started with Ronaldo personally, but you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> if if the problem was the wages, I think Ronaldo would have, would have been a better fit. But you know, that's uh, uh, probably not uh, not the whole not the whole story. 
I think uh, I think his chances today at everything's changed, you know, since he, since the lockdown and the postponement of the tournament. Um, I think he's still got a pretty good shot at uh, being at the squad uh, because he's one of Deschamps' soldiers and um, and Deschamps, uh, like any manager, he likes guys he can trust, and uh, I think he trusts Matuidi, and uh, he can he can make one last uh, one last tournament. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But is is his heart in it? I mean, is he going to take that plane uh, every uh, um, every two months uh, to back to Europe uh, from uh, from Florida to uh, to play a friendly against against Cyprus and whatnot? Really not sure. So you know, I think I think there's also the uh, the um, time traveling that you have to. Take into account a player his age. Uh, is he not bothered anymore? Mm. Which you know we can completely understand. Um, but uh, I think if if Deschamps uh, could could uh, if Deschamps had the option to uh, to uh, to put him in his squad for Euro twenty twenty one, then he will. He could be a you know the Andre Pierre Gignac of of this Euro. Yeah. Who was. Already back, already over in Mexico back then, mm. in 2016. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I'm sure Deschamps will be asked the question uh, sooner rather than later. So uh, we'll, we'll see what what he has to say about it. All right. Thank you guys uh, for joining Thanks. me. Um, historical moment. What's that? Historical moment. Historical moment. PSG in the yeah. semi-final. Another French club still has a chance of getting in the semi-final uh answers about on that question to come out on saturday and we'll have a pod after that one of course as well and for all the latest get french all all the latest french football news sorry i think you guys can hear that it's getting late over here for all the latest french football news uh make sure you follow gffn on twitter at gffn or check out the website getfootballnewsfrance.com Come. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll be back very, very soon.